We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience, presented by DraftKings 2022 Valero Texas Open DraftKings picks and preview. Reminder, smash the like, sub to the channel, leave a comment. Thank you very much. Maybe your favorite sleeper of the week. That would really go strongly in helping rig the algorithm so more people find the show. The newsletter will feature all of the ownership projections, the final plays of the week, plus extra research. You can subscribe for free down in the comment section. So please go do that. The email will come out on Wednesday evening. Then we'll have day-by-day master stuff for you all next week as well. Because, yes, the Masters are coming. The Pat Mayo Experience Listeners League now open. It's half full. Let's fill that up right away so we can get more money rake-free for the Masters. Also down in the description. And one more thing down there. Just if you look at the description every single time, maybe I'll find some Easter eggs down there. Some of you have found them over the years other people just don't even look you might as well get on the deals that are down there right now some people are very happy but the major season one and done at fantasygolfchampionships.com is now open there's only a thousand eleven hundred spots a thousand spots eleven hundred something like that anyway it's a hundred bucks to play if you're already out of the giant one and done this is a chance to get back in start fresh maybe win that big prize come play against me fantasygolfchampionships.com joining me on the line to break down the DraftKings slate this week from BetSports, the sports betting manager, but talking DraftKings today, Ryan Noonan, what's up? How are we doing, Pat? Excited to uh, be back with you. We uh, got to hang out for the Amex back in January, but now I'm in the new studio on the big screen, feeling uh, feeling good about things. Looks beautiful, man. So congrats to all that. It's excited to see where this trajectory continues to take you. Thank you very much. Well, you're doing a show with Feinberg every week now. I'd also do that if you didn't know. I heard about that. I was going to say you're familiar. I wanted to see if you had any tips. We've only uh, done a, a one show. We actually will do another betting show here on Tuesday. So uh, if you have any tips to uh, kind of, you know, corral him in sometimes, he kind of likes to go uh, off the rails. But, uh, you know, we, we love Jeff and excited to have him on. He's, uh, you know, talked about how I mean, he looks at the betting market with you on Monday. It's kind of a, a first look for him. But Tuesdays he has some more well-formed thoughts if that's a thing that jeff does uh we're hoping to extract them on tuesdays over at betsports golf the thing you need to do and it's tough for me now because he's no longer in studio with me he's at his house we used to take his phone away from him during the show (laughs) so he couldn't just be looking at his phone the entire time but now i can't enforce that anymore he's like three thousand miles away from me no that's a good idea we haven't had that problem yet but i will be uh cognizant that that's an issue at times i think probably he just you know gets some ideas and wants to fire off some bets live uh, while we're recording so we'll see how that goes yeah well the issue is we usually record the show as the odds are coming out at many different places so a lot of s- 
spots are catching up. So he's trying to like refresh the entire time. I don't know why. Like the, the number is going to be there like an hour from now. Like it's going to be fine. But here we are. Anyway, let's talk. Be there. Let's talk Valero. Do you have any sort of macro ideas about this tournament? Whether you want to target bombers because we have seen two very distinct types of players do really well. Like Spieth winning last year. Spieth's just a great player. So when he's rolling T to green and the putts are dropping for him, he's going to be very, very difficult to beat. But by and large, when you look at the rest of the board, it's guys that are really good off the tee. That doesn't necessarily mean bombers. Bombers have had success here in the past, obviously, because I think you can Mm -hmm. kind of bomb and gouge your way around this course and really shrink the approach play that you need to have uh, with your short irons rather than just have to hit 180 yards every single time. If you can hit 120 yards, for a lot of people, that's going to be beneficial. But three of the par fives are three-shot par fives. So you get your Ryan Moore, Zach Johnsons, those type of players that are just super accurate off the tee, great with a wedge in their hand, and can make a few putts. Those players have excelled as well. I always find that the degree of difficulty for those players although they've won here in the past is still way higher than it, it would be for a bomber who's just kind of rolling and having a good week yeah that's a great point they have to put it all together right so they have uh you know bombers are just going to have more outs naturally because they are going to have more second shot opportunities into the greens with lower clubs uh and gives them more opportunities i think you make a great point this is a an event that we've seen some changes historically with the layout like it used to play really hard but now we're seeing you know, 18s and 20s uh, on Sunday here, which is kind of wild. Spieth came in, as you said, you know, he's obviously elite and had incredible form. If we think back to where he was coming into this spot last year, you know, after just kind of taking a year and a half off as far as the top of the leaderboard goes. So, yeah, it's it's an interesting week. It's a very, very interesting week, I think, in terms of checking motivation. I think this event always we get into the, the thought of, when I think it's like seven of the last nine hadn't had a spot locked up for the Masters. So we have some of that. We have some guys trying to fine tune their games to get ready for the Masters. Are they really here to to win? Uh, I think there's always those questions here. So it is definitely it brings some of the match play last week, right? Where we just that course, that event kind of brings everyone into play. Uh, and I think we have that here again this week. The big difference now, they changed this to the week before the Masters and the we win and in type format in 2019. So we've only had a two-year sample of it. Connors yeah. wins, he gets it. He was a late add to the field. He was an alternate that year. He couldn't even use I don't. Even, yeah, you could use him on DraftKings because it wasn't too late throughout the course of the week. I remember I bet him first-round leader that week. He didn't end up being first-round leader, but he won the <laughs> event. That's always fun. And then Spieth, obviously, last year after Cam Tringali was actually the 36-hole leader. So it's, yeah, it's a skill set. But you don't get that many great players. And I feel like that's the difference between this year and most other years. While it's not a super strong field, the very top end of the board, although some of these guys have huge question marks at the moment, the talent overall is very good at the top end versus most years here. Yeah, it's really, like you said, I think we have eight of the top 40 or something like that. So yeah, like down the board is a little weaker than we're used to seeing, which makes sense. But we have an elite top tier. We have an elite uh, 10K tier here. So and again, like you said, all have, um, you know, various questions, all have uh, concerns here. But all of them typically, I would think, would profile really, really well here. So it is going to be a very interesting week at the top. Well, let's talk about the 10K range because I think you can get kind of tricky here because now we have two of the two of the five in my lineups right now and you can talk me in or out of any of these guys because there's only one that like with a bullet I know that I want to play but I know that everyone else wants to play him it's the most expensive guy at $11,200 this just seems like the perfect course for Rory to get himself going and just his overall skill set skips the match play to come play this event uh you know when you look at stat modeling no matter what the range he's probably going to rate out number one unless Luke List does but it's Rory then you got Hideki Spieth, who's the defending champion, answer, and then Bryson at 10-2, who looked a bit rusty, but not unhealthy at the match play. And sort of the layout that I described to you of guys that are just going to bomb and gouge a course and try to make some putts. I mean, that's Bryson. Like, why not Bryson? Uh, that's a good point, too. I think rusty, not unhealthy is a big a big line for him too, because he was, you know, a little bit coy leading up to Wednesday with that Richard Bland matchup of I'm not really letting it go. I'm kind of saving it for the masters. And uh, they didn't look like he wasn't letting it go again. I think it's just the nature of, of Bryson's game. It, it always in relation to everyone else looks like he's letting it go. So yeah, I can't think of a spot that's really better 
for both Rory and Bryson, where we just have these guys that have incredible length uh, when they are on putting wise, really outside of that poor putting performance at Sawgrass, Rory's been rolling it really well this year and had uh, multiple, I think like nine straight top 18 finishes before the Sawgrass stuff. And again, the weather waves and everything that happened there. So yeah, I, I think that Rory is going to be popular for a reason. As you mentioned, him sk- skipping match play to come here feels intentional where he could kind of get his, you know, more of a typical stroke play, get four rounds in more than likely, uh, you know, not knowing what could be, uh, you know, and again, thinking about how Austin plays for his game, it's not really something that uh, is going to resemble Augusta quite often. Or So I think this is a really good spot for him. Yeah. So are we thinking 20% north for Rory here? I was thinking potentially pushing 30%. Okay. Yeah. So tough. Um, and you can fit him because there are guys down low that I think are, are fairly viable this week. So there aren't, uh, it's not a struggle to play him there. So uh, Hideki too, we haven't seen Ducky since he withdrew with a neck injury, uh, but again, had been absolute nails heading into uh, the players there. So he makes a lot of sense, obviously defending champ at Augusta. Again, there's just really no holes in his game. He has been punting it really well, surprisingly, this year too. So there's just some things that make a lot of sense. Jordan is a cross off for me. The form last year was just so much better than it is as he heads into this. Um, I think he is obviously very, very viable next week at Augusta, a place that he can just, even if he doesn't play well, I mean, he did not putt well at all there last year and finished third. So I think next week he is going to be on everyone's radar. That makes sense. But, uh, you know, an Abe answer too is another guy in the 10K range, home course narrative, right? He's kind of sleep in his bed. Uh, we get one of those a week, uh, but he does not have a long history of success here. He is yet to top 20 here in four starts, played really well in match play last week, but had not really been great in 2022 to date. So I'm interested to see how popular he's going to be with all the narratives around him. So all five of these guys have some interest, but again, Rory becomes really tough to play. If you think he's going to be approaching 25, 30%. It does. And I do think that he'll end up being the most popular guy in the slate. Unless we get a day from now and everyone talks themselves out of where it's like, Oh, I can't play 30% Rory. And then all of a sudden he's 18%. Right. And you're like, Oh, <laughs> I wish I would have played Rory at this price, but Rory and Bryson are the two that stand out for me. I don't know what's going on with Hideki's health. It all, it kind of strikes me as somewhat of a Bryson situation from last week with that. He is only, and I could be completely wrong about this because I don't know the motivations for Hideki right now, but let's get in at least two competitive rounds, shake out the rest to at least have a viable chance of trying to repeat at Augusta. Cause that's all that really matters for him right now. But I don't think he's going to be very highly owned. So do you just roll the dice on Hideki? He's definitely the lowest owned of the group. I think it's safe to say, because I think enough people are willing to take a shot on Bryson because to your point, we saw it last week where this is that week for Hideki. Uh, we have the answer narrative, Spieth's defending champ, we're in Texas, and then Rory makes all the sense in the world. So yeah, Hideki definitely from a game theory standpoint is going to be the uh, lowest owned of the group. See, I, I'm actually yeah. I'm actually seeing it play out a little bit differently. And this could be, okay. uh, well, let's just talk about the nines for a second, because I think there are three very obvious choices in the $9,000 range. And to go along with Rory, that it could leave a whole bunch of guys completely under owned. So you can kind of pick your poison as the pivot point if you really wanted to. Connors is 98. He's won here before, comes in with a third place finish at the match play. He's going to be super popular. See, woo! Kim, my guy, 9600 bucks. not going to be super popular, but a great track record at this course. Mav is 95 That's just too expensive for Mav. People aren't going to use him because everyone's using Chris Kirk at $9,400. A high majority of people will be using Gary Woodland at $9,300. Then you have Keegan, Finau, and Jason Day. Very low ownership probably on those three. Keegan, Finau, and then Day in that order is probably what you're looking at. Maybe like 10%, 9%. 4%, something like that. So you have Siwoo, who could be like single digits or around 10%, but you have these three other guys, Connors, Kirk, and Woodland. They're all going to be 15% plus. One of them might be 20% plus. So that means that most builds are either going to be starting with all three of those guys or some combination of Rory, Kirk, Rory, Connors, Rory, Woodland. Is that safe to say? Yeah, that, I think those three are good chalk. And I think there are some other guys here that are interesting. But yeah, you mentioned Connors, obviously. Uh, nice appearance last week at match play. Three straight solid starts. Really didn't have good form back in January and February. But again, if we are at a spot where we're putting a premium on ball striking, 
and there's nice course history here. There's a lot to like, obviously, uh, with Corey Connor. So he, he pops in a big, big way. Kirk has got a weird history here where he's like back and forth all around like missed cuts and top tens. But again, ball striking, you know, he got caught in the weather wave as well at the players. But again, he is just a solid all around game. There's not a lot of holes in his game profiles really well here. And Gary's been playing terrific. Uh, can drive it a ton if you were into distance here. Um, you know, hasn't played here a lot, but teared up last year and then was completely out of form and finished sixth. So you feel pretty good about that, knowing that he's heading into this one with uh, significantly better form. So I do think that they are all interesting. I think Siwoo and Mav are pretty interesting, though. Like Siwoo has flirted with some success here in the past. Um, you mentioned last time when we met and talked about the Amex about actually this being a little bit of a, a low key corollary course. And we have some nice success, obviously, for Siwoo at the Amex. So he could be an interesting pivot where a lot of those other guys are going to catch significantly higher ownership. If you have to go fade one of those three chalky 9K guys, Connors, Kirk, and Woodland, which one is the fade? For mm -hmm. me, it's Kirk. For me, it's Kirk too. Yeah. Um, just because of, I think he's just a, a little bit lower in class compared to Woodland. I think the upper echelon Woodland, the upper echelon Connors, I think Kirk is just not that consistent of a guy. I think we see it in spurts. Uh, but again, coming off of a miscut and again, the wonky history here too. It's enough for me to say out of the three, but again, he's terrific chalk. I think he will be chalk. Um, you know, I will have, you know, different bets on him. Uh, but again, if I'm having to 9,400 for him, I typically like Kirk when he's, you know, bigger fields down in the uh, high sevens and something like that. He, he, it's hard to get up there. Uh, Tony Finau, what do we do with Finau? Re one really nice 18 holes against Xander. He's in a weak field at 9,100. I feel like in years past, he would be a low tens in this field and probably 20% owned. I'm using him at 9,100. I bet him okay. at 50 to one. He's down to 40 to one at DraftKings Sportsbook right now. And in full disclosure, I also bet Chris Kirk at 50 to one. Wasn't too interested in the 25 to one. And even in other yeah. places now, it's been beat down to 33. If there's nothing else, I haven't hit a winner in like two months at this point, but I got some good closing <laughs> line value on everyone that I bet this week. So I'm just going to give myself a Barry Horowitz. Consider that a win in itself because that's all I got at this point. But not, <laughs> like with all things being equal... Like, Kirk at 50, I think, is a good number. So when he even grabbed a 60 when it first opened, Finau at 50 is a good number. I got Woodland at 40, but all these guys' numbers have crashed at this point. And on DraftKings, when you just kind of take a look at the salary, but the big difference between Chris Kirk and Gary Woodland when you look at the DraftKings pricing versus the actual betting odds is they're very close to Connors and DeChambeau right now in the DraftKings pricing as they've started to inch that way in the betting market as well. But that's not when I wanted to bet them. When you can get them double and triple the number of one guy that's one thing in the DraftKings price and when they're right next to each other I think I would just rather have the better players wouldn't that be logical makes almost too much sense but again we know how this works we know how um, ownership can formulate around a handful of guys we were talking before we get started there definitely feels like some very clear chalk and again you mentioned it here this this 9k range has three guys that feel significantly higher owned than the rest of the field and, and maybe even um, get some people off of some of the 10 K and plus range. So, yeah, I mean, sometimes it makes too much sense, but again, we, we know we're clicking it in um, what makes sense and what we shouldn't do. And sometimes we can't help ourselves. And uh, sometimes it's chalk for a reason. So the biggest thing because of these nine K guys and the point I kind of wanted to roll back to with the 10 K players is that Hideki Spieth, Answer and Bryson and answers the surprising one, at least in the early projection numbers that I'm seeing are coming in really low and not like 2% low, like 8, 9, 10, 11%. All four of those guys are seemingly right around there. FantasyNational.com slash mail for 20% off, by the way, which if you take the weekly on Wednesday, you get Valero and the Masters because you get Wednesday to Wednesday. So that's the move. Do it on Wednesday. Get the weekly. I think it's eight bucks with, with slash mayo and the 20% off. I mean, you're not going to find a better deal than that on the best product out there. So fantasynational.com slash mayo. But the ownership projections are telling me that people are generating a lot of lineups with Bryson in them. But I think that's very exclusive to members of Fantasy National right now trying to play out that game theory because the actual, and this is only with 3,000 lineups generated so far. When the sample gets up to 30,000, obviously we'll have you know 10 times better of a sample. So it's still early in the week, but 15% of lineups feature Bryson right now that have actually been generated, yet we still have his calculated ownership percentage around 8% on a Tuesday morning. So when I update this with Tambo on the live show at noon Eastern time on Mayo Media Network on Wednesday, maybe that changes. But I'm seeing answer projected at 9% right now, which 
when I talked with Jeff yesterday, it seemed like he would be such chalk. But I think that where he is the highest priced of the quote unquote safe guys, that people are just saving money and going to Connors. That's really interesting. Yeah, I thought for sure he would be probably like the favorite one and done pick. And, you know, we saw his line in the betting market move. I thought he would definitely be uh, an easy uh, chalk 20% guy here, just with all the narratives, how he played with match play. Uh, all those different things. So I'm surprised. I, I think he probably, I'd be shocked if we, you know, flip the cards over on Thursday morning and he's under 15%. But uh, maybe, maybe there's just something that people want to play Jordan and people like looking at Bryson at 10 2 uh, and that they make a lot of sense. And maybe answer is stuck in the middle of that somehow. I just think that anyone who was thinking about using answer is just going to use Connors instead. Like if I could tell you right now that Connors was going to be 20% and answer was going to be 10%, would you play mm. any Corey Connors? No, I, I would definitely get up to Bryson or answer. Yeah, I think that's where I'm leaning right now. We'll see how that shakes out, but I think those guys, I mean, Bryson's in a different bucket on his own. Like, it does feel to me like people are going to use, like, someone like me. I, I'm. It's not that I believe in Bryson, but I know the underlying skill set is there. I want to be right on Bryson if I'm going to get right. So I'll probably play, like, 50% Bryson. And that means he's kind of out of that loop. And then it's between answer and then it's between Connors for me. And I think they're pretty much the same guy. Like they're very similar players. Yeah. Uh, the Connor stuff again, like uh, I, I think he's terrific chalk, but again, it makes it really easy where I don't think he is significantly better than even Kirk or Woodland here. I do. Um, See, I, I, I do think that he's significantly better than Kirk and Woodland okay. from a safety basis because I know what yeah. Connors is going to do. It's just, will he make enough putts to actually contend? Because he'll make enough putts to be like T20 because that means he's not making any putts. If he starts making putts all of a sudden, and listen, he's one of the best putters on the PGA Tour. Presumably, he should be making putts, right? Connors has, it's wild. If you really do look at year over year stuff, there is significant on and around the green improvements there. And, you know, the ball striking is now trending back to what we saw over the last year and plus where he's really considered really one of the best in the world for all the right reasons. So yeah, if these gains are real on and around the green, maybe, maybe we need to be playing uh 9,800 Corey Connors in the chalk because he just is that good. Cause he looked at last weekend uh, for, for chunks of time. So uh, again, did not play well early in the season, but he is rounding into form and yeah, again, knowing if he, if I'm going to get him twice owns anyone above him, uh, it's really, really hard to do that because no one's super prohibitive from a pricing standpoint. Um, but again, uh, Siwoo, what are you, you going to play any Siwoo? I think yes. he is uh, pretty interesting. Okay. 100%. Yeah. And the thing with Connors is the chipping had, by, by the numbers, the around the green game has drastically improved. And it's not really like his putting has improved. It's just, I mean, it has improved because it's not by far the worst on the PGA Tour anymore. It's like, correct. he's in like the, I don't know, the, the, seventh percentile now of like being like not the worst so like lost 4.5 in one round at the farmers made the cut at yeah. api lost 3.1 missed the cut at the genesis lost almost two but you know but like 0.8 gained at the players 0.8 is fine for Corey connors like that, that's where Huge we need him to connors. be <laughs> yeah absolutely like you're those are the weeks that you're like he is in contention like he is going to t10 those weeks so yeah anywhere that he is even a little bit above field average we are uh, you know, wheels up on Connors. So yeah, Siwoo, I mean, on $9,600, like he feels like he's going to fall through the cracks. Finau at 91. I think he'll end up gaining some steam mm. by the end of the week, but not to be overwhelming chalk because people aren't going to get off Kirk and Woodland mm. from those low $9,000, from that low $9,000 range. Do you have any interest in Day? Because it doesn't feel like anyone is using Jason Day. I don't. Um, I, I don't. And just maybe sometimes this is a, probably a blind spot that I anchor to. And there's just some guys that I just don't really ever play or consider uh, in this current iteration of Jason Day is just one of those guys, whether it's the, the back or uh, different reasons where he can bow out. I just don't feel really confident ever plugging him in. Uh, Pebble uh, is, I guess, the spot where you go to Jason Day. But otherwise, he just doesn't really register for me. And, and Maybe he's like super low owned because the eights, the high eights, which I'm sure we're about to get to, I think are going to carry some ownership. So um, never played here before. I think hasn't played here since like 2009 or something like that. And feels like a Hail Mary to get into the Masters. And uh, Jason Day is a pass for me. Yeah, I got him around 3% ownership at the moment. Keegan, I have pushing like, if it comes down between Finau and Keegan, I'm going to take Finau. If that's sort yeah. of like the, the pivot from the low end here. Um, 
that I just feel more comfortable with Finau. And maybe he's just absolute trash at the moment. And it's not that he just had one good round. It, weirdly, like looking at the numbers, whether it's past 24 rounds, whether it's past 50 rounds, he still rates out inside the top 10 in like every key metric that I'm looking at. It just doesn't feel that way when you see his results and watch him play right now. Yeah, he just hasn't been able to putt. Uh, he's sprayed it off the tee for a solid like six weeks. And then the putting is just significantly down from where we typically see him. So we know that that's noisy at times and that can get fixed in a hurry. So, uh, yeah, I just think that Fino makes Fino makes a ton of sense because when you think of this, just who he is as a player, what the pedigree is, what we've seen historically from him, uh, how he can make a ton of birdies. This is a spot where if the driver is a little bit better than it's been, if you're going to have these guys at the top where we're looking at, you know, Rory and Bryson where they can just let it go, you know, the rough is not very penal here. If the if the putter gets a little hot, we're looking at $9,100 fee now into not a whole lot of ownership. It makes a ton of sense. $8,000 range. It kicks off with Adam Hadwin at $8,900. And I assume because of this price point that no one would want to play Adam Hadwin. That is not the case. <laughs> People want to play Adam Hadwin at $8,900. Streelman, Vegas, List, Davis, Riley. Then you have Knox, Chuck Hoffman. I mean, this is the Chuck Hoffman Open. Mito is at eighty one. Palmer and Kazire are both at $8,000. The guys carrying the most ownership at the moment, presumably, are going to be Hadwin, List, and Kazire. Kazire the most. Streelman, Vegas, and Mito are the other ones who project to be in the double digits right now, too. I don't understand this Luke List pricing at $8,500. Maybe I just have no object on Luke List at this point, but shouldn't he, with the way that he has played so far in 2022, shouldn't he be like $10,000? Yeah, it hasn't been great since the Farmers, but again, like <clears throat> you would think, again, ball striking, um, team no putt, we're talking about some of these guys that can just absolutely bomb it. The ball striking is still upper echelon as wild as it is. So yeah, I mean, he should definitely be higher. I understand why he would make the most sense as being the highest owned here in this rate. Uh, again, just on the tier below, maybe the finals of the world here, but you know, I, I understand why he's going to be probably pushing 20%. So yeah, I'm, I'm definitely firing up this, this bomber team, no putt thing, uh, with Luke list here at 8,500. Again, he, he's, he feels like some good chocolate I'm willing to eat. Yeah, and it's not going to get too crazy with List because there does seem to be somewhat of an even distribution of ownership. So uh, many guys around him on here. The, on yeah. the short-hitting guys. And the guys like Hadwin and Streelman are the type of guys that we talked about off the top, the Ryan Moore types of the world who kind of need everything to go their way. Now, Hadwin, you can probably not bank on at least making a few putts, but you would expect him to have a pretty good week on the greens because generally speaking, he's a pretty good putter. Streelman, who knows with him? I, I think I just like Vegas and List. Like, just give me those two guys. <laughs> Yeah, at Vegas, I got I caught a 60 on Vegas yesterday in the morning. Um, yeah, again, bomber, but like much improved approach game. Uh, he's been on a little bit of a run with the putter. We know he cannot putt historically, <laughs> but again, if there's something there, uh, somehow positive in putting so far on the year. Nice little showing last weekend uh, in Pudicana with a finish of fourth. Uh, he is, Again, I just want to maybe buy into the gains on the approach side. And if the putter stays even close to field average, similar to what we talked about with Connors, I think Vegas can very much contend here. Again, Texas grad, familiar with his course. Uh, I like him quite a bit. And the guys in the low end, it does appear like Kazire is going to really soak up a lot of this ownership. He made an incredible run at every Texas course a year ago. He's not playing yeah. great golf coming in right now is the issue. Uh, it's not where you would want to see him. But it's not like he had a you know, great form coming into this last year. He has consistent form where he's making a lot of cuts. He had a top 10 in Phoenix, no top 20 since, but the approach has been really good. The driving's been really bad. You hope that for whatever reason, he can continue to have success on these Texas greens. I don't know what to do with him because I don't know if I want to play like an 18% Patton Kazire. That's over $8,000. Definitely, I do not want to do that. Uh, he's a guy that when I... I'm interested in him. I typically uh, will bet him for like a top 10 and bet him to miss the cut just to kind of hedge if I can. But like you said, like approach game has been on fire. He's gained an approach in six straight events. He is top four in the field in strokes gain approach over the last three months. So it has been all approach. But again, that plays really well here. As you mentioned, no form last year coming in here and finished T9. So he likes playing golf in texas and i think we need to uh, give that some attention here how about davis riley are there any of these guys here above him that are interesting riley has the the you know ability to hit it pretty far he had won that uh corn ferry event here back in 2020 with some of these other guys that we have down the board here 
again, obviously coming off of that uh, that playoff loss to Burns at the Valspar. But again, pedigree is nice. And um, if there's no ownership, I'm pretty interested. It doesn't seem like there's going to be a lot of ownership. And even I think a lot of it has to do with the betting market where he was so overpriced at opening. It was ridiculous. Yeah. And, and now and now he's dropped back down the board a little bit, like 20 points. So he's like, you, you can come up with a way to bet him if you want to. And you mentioned TPC San Antonio Championship at the Oaks. It was at this course in July 2020. Davis Riley won. You had Barjan. I've been. Pendrith withdrew from this field. I was like, man, I want to, I was oh, yeah. lining up to bet Pendrith this week. And then now he's not playing, but you see Smotherman up there, Zalatoris up there, Derek Ernst, who's a huge bomber. Then you get into like the sort of lower end hitters like Ben Martin, who just you know, blew the blue Corrales last week. Or you can say that oh. Captain Ramius caught him either way. Uh, he's going to actually be in this field, but he's a short hitter. Kyle Reefer's a short hitter. Max McGreevy's kind of in between. Those were the type of players that did pretty well at this course, but it was mainly bombers at the very top when you think about Riley and Pendrith. I just worry that he held on at Valspar to get into that playoff, but so much of his performance was chipping and putting. Like His irons were trash almost the entire yeah, week, but he got up and down every time he needed to. And that's is that sticky? Is that not sticky? Do we expect him to do that again? Because if he doesn't do that again, he's going to miss the cut. Yeah, typically don't see guys that are, you know, finishing top 10 uh, in any events that are losing strokes on approach, no matter the course. So it, it definitely is something to be said there. Uh, again, I the betting market was insane to see him where he opened. But um, I thought similar, I guess, to answer that, you know, there might be some ownership here. Again, I think there is so many viable options in the 8K range and it maybe just flattens it out a little bit across the board. Um, Hoffman, we got to talk about Hoffman. Uh, people are going to play Hoffman. I don't know what to make from the garbage man. We have not seen anything that would make me want to click Charlie Hoffman for like six months other than course history. And that just isn't typically something that I think either of us typically will lean on. Um, is he going to be owned in your early lean here from uh, from Fantasy National? It doesn't appear. Like, just look at these numbers on the screen. So uh, over the past bad. 24 rounds, 122nd tee to green, 109th in putting. However... He has played this tournament each of the past 10 years. He has a win, three seconds, and a third. It's a lot like the Luke Donald at the Heritage situation, where that continued to work well past the point where he was awful until it didn't anymore. I don't know what to do with this. It feels like maybe I'll just bet Hoffman first-round leader, and maybe that's all I'll do with it. Yeah, I, I if I get beat by Charlie Hoffman chalk or Charlie Hoffman at 10%, I, I will be fine. I mean, he is he's losing like a full stroke uh per round over last year which is wild he's like down across the board the only place i think he's positive to the field is around the green uh it just is it's not anything that i have any interest in when you look at some of the guys around him that are actually playing well and profile really well here uh, they just it, it i'm really interested to see what happens with hoffman ownership he will be a complete fade for me regardless of what projected ownership looks like yeah uh, tomorrow night projected ownership's looking like six seven percent right now okay yeah, people love course history, man. And in the course history, other than like Tiger, and like, you know, and like a ton of places, this Hoffman at the Valero is insane. It is insane. There's like a decade plus of like T13s with a bunch of seconds and fives. And it's just, it's wild. So uh, crossing them off and not even giving them a look. What about if we're going to play like the course history angle with a guy who is not necessarily in better form because he's not in good form, but Ryan Palmer is right there too. Another Texas guy, his year has been submarined by a terrible putter. Not that he's doing like anything else really great, but I think that the results don't necessarily match the ball striking that he at least had early in the year. Like he was bad through Florida. Sometimes guys are bad through Florida, but he did have 12th at the Sony the 16th at the farmers. And this is a course where he's had success in the past. It's been more varied than someone like Charlie Hoff. I mean, like legit, no one's using him. Yeah. I, he, he was a guy I gave a long look to uh, yesterday and I was just shocked how bad he's been playing. It's been bad for like two plus months, really other than course history. I think he T 20 here last year. Um, yeah, he's he's not interesting to me at all. There's guys I think a little bit below, and as you mentioned above, with you know, Mito I think is interesting. Again, really nice form. His irons are terrific. He's gained on approach in five straight starts, above average in distance. Uh, really nice off the tee. If again we want to play that angle here, so I'd much rather play you know Mito, uh, who's maybe a little bit between the Hoffman and Kazire ownership, and really kind of fade Palmer there as well. Did you know that browsing online using incognito mode? 
doesn't actually protect your privacy? That's right. Without added security, you might as well give away all your private data to hackers, advertisers, the ISP, and other prying eyes. That's why I use IPVanish VPN to make it easy to stay truly private and secure on the internets. IPVanish helps you safely browse the internet by encrypting 100% of your data. That means your private details, passwords, communications, browsing history, and more will be completely shielded from falling into the wrong hands. Even your physical location will be hidden. IPVanish makes you virtually invisible online. It's that simple. You can use IPVanish on unlimited devices without sacrificing on speed, your computers, tablets, phones, even your devices like Fire Stick, while you're streaming media. Whether I'm at home or in public, I don't go online anymore without using IPVanish. IPVanish is offering an incredible, get this, 70% off their yearly plan for our listeners with a 30-day money-back guarantee. That's like getting nine months for free. IPVanish is super easy to use. All you gotta do is tap one button and you're instantly protected. You won't even know it's on. Stop sharing with the world everything you stream, everything you search for, and everything you buy. Take your privacy back today with the brand rated 4.6 out of 5 on Trustpilot. So go to ipvanish.com mayo and use promotional code mayo to claim your 70% savings. That's ipvanish.com slash mayo. $7,000 range. We don't need to go over everyone, just the guys that you want to play. The first look that I was given, I don't know what to do with the Euro guys, be it Bobby Mack, be it Hogard, yeah. e- even Poulter for that matter. I'm not going to play Ricky. Steele was the first one that leaked out to me at $7,600. The ball striking has been returning for him, and we know that he's kind of up and down when it comes to putting anyway, but this used to be a spot where it was an auto play for Brennan Steele. He, he won this event like 10 years ago. I'm not too concerned about that. What I am concerned about is if Keegan is going to be, and I know Keegan's in much better form, and Connors is in much better form, and they're better players at this point, but that's the same sort of stuff that Steele does, but you're getting a $2,000 break on it. No, it's a great point. The putter, as you said, is just god-awful. But uh, the Irons have been solid for two starts. API and the players uh, have been pretty nice. He finished top 13 at the players. Uh, and the off-the-tee stuff has been really wild. He has actually leads this field in strokes gained off the tee over the past three months. Uh, distance is nice. Again, if we want to play into that profile and you know player architect this week, Steele at 7,600, I think the Keegan comp, it makes a ton of sense. Again, he's not the player that Keegan is and does not have the form. And, you know, we see Keegan every week. Keegan is like 2019 Sunjay where he just doesn't go away. We see him all the time. So he's always in our mind, but yeah, the steel thing popped out to me as well at 7,600. Uh, is someone that is interesting to me. It is definitely again, Kazire ish where I feel like the range of outcomes is ginormous. We have, you know, three straight rounds of 67 to finish last week at Corrales. He can absolutely bomb it. Uh, but he is just all upside. There is, uh, he very much could, you know, slam the trunk on Friday in like a bad way too. He could be like, you know, plus six or something because he cannot putt. Uh, the irons have not been great, but he can hit it a mile. Um, feel good about the form of having nice finish at Corrales, but I'm interested to see where he comes in from an ownership standpoint. Well, he hasn't won yet in 2022, which is he has one win in each of the past three years, either on the Challenger or the DP World Tour. So he's a good player and coming off a sixth place finish. That's how he got into this field. You look at him, he's the 106th ranked player in the world. I think I would feel better about Robert McIntyre at the same price because I think that Robert McIntyre is just better. For sure. Yeah, he just is better. Yeah, and we... Uh, he played again fairly not, not great last week, but again, I think he had a tough draw. Um, he you had, know, at the he, uh, match he, play, he had a tough draw and he hadn't played since Riviera, which is kind of insane. Yeah, yeah I like him again, probably just like you, way more next week at Augusta. But again, obviously, I do think he's a better player than Hoygaard. I, I think that uh, I'm maybe biased because I got Hoygaard at 100 to 1 in the betting market, and I think that there's a ton of upside there. Again, 21 year old kid, Bobby Max, not much older. Uh, again, these upside youngins make a, a ton of sense if you're talking about Brandon Steele for five minutes. So, um, yeah, I think those two are both pretty viable options and have uh, a lot of upside. I think I, I heard I've been hearing buzz about Matt Kuchar this week. I don't really <laughs> understand what's going on with Kuchar, but sure. Why not? Right. And he's another player who with success at this course with the short hitting fairways, good wedges, make a bunch of putts. That's been successful for Kuchar 
when Kucher used to be good. He's not really that good anymore. I think I'd rather just roll the dice on T. Gala right below him, who's going to bomb it and make a ton of putts. He plays a little bit. I mean, his around the green game is much better than Bryson's at the moment, but he has like a Bryson-esque game, and no one really seems to make that correlation. Yeah, and a high pedigree kid as well coming out of uh, Pep- uh, was it Pepperdine. Pepperdine. Yeah, he can <laughs> – yeah, he can play. So I really, we haven't really seen it. And, you know, again, he got a little bit of Sunday smoke uh, in Phoenix, which is good to see. Finished T22 last week at Corrales. So, you know, again, weaker field. We'd like to see him, you know, kind of picking himself up after the Phoenix thing. He is definitely someone that is uh, on my radar too. The Kucha thing is interesting. He obviously puts a pin in any thought that you have to have distance to compete here because he back-to-back, I think, top 12s. Uh, nine straight years making the cut here again, just can, you know, get his way on and, and take those long power par fives into three, uh, put himself in a position. If the putter is rolling well, you know, he'll see the weekend. There just feels like very little upside, especially when we're talking about some of these other guys around him that uh, could actually probably feel like they can compete. So maybe again, that's just old man bias on Kucher in his game, but uh, he's someone that I'm going to pass on. Yeah, I don't want to make it seem like T. Gala like mashes it like Bryson does. He absolutely does not, but he he seems like he has the body that once he puts on a little bit more weight and starts to fill out that he is going to go from like guy who drives it longer than most on the PGA Tour and really gets up into like that top 25, top 20 in terms of driving. And like his putting is amazing. And it's not really all that. Again, we don't know how sticky that's going to be. You see some guys come on tour. They're amazing for the first, you know, 12 months they're here and then they suck for three years when it comes to putting and just so far I've been very impressed by his ability to continue to make these really long putts and when he doesn't have it going to keep himself alive with putting not necessarily have to rely on putting every round in order for a decent score I think it's a nice price for him at $7,800 so that's probably where I'll go him and steel and I'm gonna play the glove 7,400 bucks let's go okay no no uh Gim Reaper yeah local texas kid texas alum um you know again he i think he's one of those guys to your point that he needs too many things to go right uh he needs to well the distance yes and no because like it's not like connor's is a bomber either and sure and the game that gim has the the problem is like connor's does it every week with the ball striking like he's average to slightly above in distance hits almost every fairway great with his irons that's what Gim is when Gim is rolling well. It's just you never know what Gim you're going to get is the issue. Yeah, the Gim thing, again, nails, like you said, with the irons, the below average and distance can be a problem here. Maybe not. We were talking about Kucher a minute ago and how he's fared well historically here. But the putting, too, for Gim is has just been not good for quite a while. Again, other than Sawgrass, where he loves to play, apparently, uh, he's been a little tough. But, again, just the Texas angle. I'm interested to see if maybe there's uh, something to be said for making a, a Longhorn lineup because there's a bunch of them here in the fields. Yeah, I'm just going to roll with Glover. He's had success here. He was inside the top 30 a year ago. And he had been, listen, Florida kind of, when you put too much water on the course, it's going to be tough for the glove to get around too much, which is strange because he's so accurate off the tee. There's something that just gets in his mind. It's like, I, I need to put it in that water right now. Plus, he can always putt himself out of tournaments, which is never all that great. But I'm going to play him. For Telly, I gave a look to. The numbers love Nick Taylor. And the numbers would love Troy Merritt if it only lasted three, the guy needs to play on the champions tour because round fours yeah. have been absolutely destroying <laughs> Troy Merritt as of late. Uh, the 87 made me feel really good at API. Cause you know, that's a nice uh, standard round for your boy out there. So uh, tough to see a tour pro do that, but uh, I do think it skews some of his overall numbers. Cause he's been, like you said, fairly good uh, heading into Sundays for the last couple of months. So uh, Nick Taylor makes a lot of sense too. He did, kind of pop for me more than I thought he would uh, nine of the last 10 cuts he's made uh, finished inside the top 40 and seven of those made the cut here. I think four of the last five times he's played. And again, is pretty cheap. So uh, not a ton of upside, but again, not a lot needed from him at 7,300. The other one I was giving some look to is if you want to play Kucher, I know this guy isn't as good as like what Kucher is in people's mind, but Matthias Schwab is down at $7,100. He is an all accuracy, no distance, but fantastic from like 125. And he was seventh at Honda, seventh in Puerto Rico, missed the cut at Valspar, 44th at Corrales. He's playing a lot better than he had. He's only really missed one cut since the Sanderson Farms last year too. And I just, no one is going to hype up Matthias Schwab because I feel like his win equity is very, very low, which I would agree with. But if we're talking about guys to make the cut from down here, I think that he's one of them. 
Yeah, I was surprised. I forgot that he uh, had a top seven at the Honda and then, you know, the next week at Puerto Rico. So, yeah, like, we like the form there. Um, Eric, uh, Alex Smalley is another guy in this range that I think is interesting to me. 7,100, uh, T2 last week at Corrales, really strong off the tee if we want to lean on that again, uh, both distance and accuracy. So if he can get anything going, also you encourage if the wind does kick up and bite us here a little bit, you encourage to see that he fared well last week at Corrales. So form pretty good for Smalley at 7,100. I think he is pretty interesting down here as well. The other ones like Neesmith is going to generate a bunch of buzz based off his finish. Uh, I mean, the stats will love him anyway, as they normally do. That's why people were on him at Valspar. He did collapse yeah. a little bit at, at the Valspar, but I mean, that was, it's the first time, not the first time he's really been in contention, but I think it was his first final group ever. So you know, that can be a lot of pressure for someone. Maybe he rebounds from that. I was looking at like Merritt, Nick Taylor for Telly. You do have Dick Bland in here. The stats aren't going to like Richard <laughs> Bland, but he doesn't normally play on the PGA Tour. So what are you going to do? Kanaya is another one. Like Kanaya on fire coming out of that group last week. I mean, he's a top 64 player in the world. He's $7,300. I legit have no idea if he's good or not, but I know that people aren't going to use him. People are not going to use him. Uh, yeah, I mean, great record. I looked at his record in Japan. He's been incredible. Again, what's the strength of that tour? Um, does he have the ball striking to make up for the lack of distance? You know, obviously getting around, you know, uh, Austin is a little different than getting around here in San Antonio. So, yeah, no one's going to play him. He fared better than I think I thought he would last week. I mean, he obviously didn't move on, but he, he was at least in matches and got hot with the putter. So I don't think he is going to garner any ownership. Uh, for Telly, again, another Texas guy, four straight cuts made. Um, yeah, he's just, he's not on my radar this week. I don't, I really never know where to play for Telly. Like he plays really well, like the randomest spots and like really tough fields that I would never be on him. So, um, Dylon is a guy that I'm going to have to pass on. I'm going to throw him in the pool for the moment. I don't know if he's going to end up being there once yeah. I construct my final lineup. Because I do think I want to build some very bomber-specific lineups. Uh, obviously, he would probably not end up in those. But I think if I have like an overall general pool of players, that he'll end up being in there. Lahiri, we're seeing for the first time since his second place finish at the players. You got Pat Perez down here. Westwood, Matt Jones. I mentioned Bland, Bo Hostler, Feinberg's boy. He's down here as well. Taylor Moore, who everyone loved two months ago. Now no one hears from him <laughs> since. I don't know what to do with any of these guys, so I'm probably not going to play them, but it, maybe you have a lean. I don't know. You know, Smalley is kind of my favorite down here. The Lahiri thing's interesting. Um, again, it was obviously awesome to see how he showed the players. It was really cool to root for him. Came in ice cold as well, so like you don't necessarily feel that form is needed. Uh, he had a fifth here last year and has made the cut here in three straight years. Be interested to see how he is. I think mentally after, again, chasing a little bit on, on a Sunday, that obviously is going to uh, impact you a little bit differently. So um, Smalley is my favorite play down here in this low range. Nick Taylor as well. But uh, none of the other guys as far as like the, you know, Matt Jones, Kramer Hickok, uh, none of them are really on my radar. Reminder again to play in the Pat Mayo Experience DraftKings Listeners League. You can find that in the description of the video or the podcast. Rate and review the podcast while you're there. And the new one and done starting next week at the Masters. You can go to fantasygolfchampionships.com and play in that right now. $100 to play. It runs the Masters through the Open Championship. Just another way for me to lose my money, but you to take my money at the same time. Fantasygolfchampionships.com. Looking at the 6K guys, Smotherman, $6,800. And does Paul Baljean from France? Is he shaping up to be the highest-owned $6,100 player ever? Because I'm playing him. I bet him at 500 to I'm, 1. <laughs> I'm playing him. I cannot wait to play Paul Barjon. Uh, uh, I saw this down here at 6,100, and I said, qu'est-ce que c'est? I had no idea what to make of him. Uh, again, solo 10th at the MX. Again, we talked about as a sneaky corollary course to San Antonio. Um, again, has not done much of late, but we talked about, again, he was in that Corn Ferry field and finished fourth back uh, in 2020 to uh, to Davis Riley there. So, yeah, 6,100 for him. Uh, it makes a, a ton of sense. Again, compared, comparatively to the other guys that are down here, he definitely uh, is going to garner some ownership. So this there are some six, uh, 6K guys, which I think are interesting, which you know brings into play the top of the board, which we were talking about earlier. I think Smotherman, again, was also in that field, fourth at that event, did not play well last week at Corrales. But, again, eighth in approach. 
14th in ball striking over the last three months. So again, Tia Green, he has been pretty nice. I think he is going to be probably the chalk down here, but I think it makes sense. Uh, again, don't love chalky 6K guys, but I think Smotherman kind of pops for a reason. I don't know how chalky he'll end up being. Like I'm seeing him projected 9% right now. That is the highest of the 6K. Okay. Guys, so he'll be the most owned. And when I say like everyone's using Barjan, I mean like 2% of people maybe are using Barjan. <laughs> that's still a lot. I'm playing him. That's, that's a lot for a $6,100 player. Like Guido is down there as well. I think that he'll just draw name recognition, but he has been piss poor on the DP World Tour this year. Like He's been legit bad. He's been really bad. Uh, it was worse than I thought uh, when I looked into it. But yeah, he is. Uh, he has been has been awful. Uh, hopefully, it bounces back. Still a young kid. Um, you know, similar like you know a little bit higher in the same range. But like you know, Higo is the same thing. Like he's only twenty two. I'm not ready to bury Higo. But this is not who we saw last summer. Again, maybe there's some name recognition there too. But you know, he went on this insane putting run, and he has not looked anything like that guy at all. Um, you know, knocked off like three wins in five weeks or something like that with a couple euros and then won the weird palmetto thing that we had here. But uh, again, maybe there's some name value with Higo, but he has been awful too. He hasn't been as bad as Guido. Like Higo's. No, making, no, he is not. You're... He goes making cuts on the PGA tour. He's 150 to one in this field. Guido was 151 in Oman last week. <laughs> it's not encouraging. Yeah. Paul Barjan is the guy down there for sure. Uh, Guido will cheer for him to get it back. He's fun through four again we love saying guido it's just uh, a lot of fun to say and uh i think you talked about that the other day some guys are just fun to say uh johnny vegas is fun to say it's fun to bet on johnny vegas it's fun to bet on guido so hopefully we get them back in our lives max mcgreevy was one that i was looking at he was another one who plays pretty well in that oaks tournament uh when it was back here in 2020 and he's just very very cheap and he's been a very mixed bag in his rookie season on the pga tour i'm not gonna be too scared of him down here who was the other one that i had uh, i can't do i can't do swafford again man like he won at Amex, obviously, the crossover, right? And then yep. I started using him like two weeks after. I was like, oh, here we go. The stats still love Hudson Swafford. And he is legitimately five over par after five holes every tournament to open. And I don't know what to do with myself. I keep playing him. I feel like an idiot. No, so the putting was so good at the Amex, like insanely good. He's just not, has, he's not done anything since. I mean, I think he was like three strokes per round in just insane uh, double-digit strokes gained putting there at the MX. So, yeah, I mean, again, he does have win equity. We have seen him win. So, comparatively to the rest of this field here, down here, uh, there's not a lot of that down here. But, again, birdies, it might all be being fed from the MX round. But he, in relation to some of these other guys, he is popping in, like, you know, birdie or better percentage if you want some scoring on DraftKings. But, yeah, it's been a tough scene for Hudson Swafford since, uh, since January. I have two bombers that are bad at golf, Pat, I would love to get your feedback on. Bramlett. Joseph Bramlett. Yeah. <laughs> 6,500 Bramlets. Uh, if you think bombing matters, uh, the irons are good enough at times for him to compete. Uh, completely lost on the greens though. Uh, 34th here last year. And then Brandon Hagee, um, again, 17th last year, can bomb it, has made uh, two cuts in a row, which is encouraging. We can ignore the fact that he missed nine straight cuts before that because uh, he hits the ball really far. Probably out on those two. There, there are two that I wanted to bring up to you. Maybe even three. Ryan Brem won like three weeks ago in Puerto he Rico. Did, yeah, he's sixty three hundred dollars. He's 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 fourth in the field. Like it's Bryson, Vegas, Rory, Ryan Brem over the past twenty four rounds and driving distance gained on the field. So that's somewhat encouraging. Uline is the min price at six thousand. He's fifth in driving distance. And then my guy Trey Mullenix, who does have a second place finish at this course yep. in the past. He's sixty four hundred dollars. Then it's Bramlett, Wyndham Clark, Haggy is number 10. Then you have number nine right there. And I don't know what to do with him because he has been legitimately terrible. But that hasn't stopped him from winning on the PGA Tour in the past. $6,900 Cameron Champ. Man, I mean, God, what do we do with him next week? I don't know what to do with him this week. But like, he shows up at the Masters and, and plays really well. I, he... he as a guy that I really wanted to buy into last year where I thought in the swing season, we saw something coming with the approach game or just something other than, you know, being able to hit it a mile. It just, there's nothing, there's nothing there. The rest of the game feels completely broken. Um, I mean, 
it's hard for me to get him there. Again, if you're making a bombers only lineup, I understand why he becomes a priority because if he clicks at all, uh, he's such a massive advantage there. Really closest to Bryson, I guess you would say, uh, historically since he's been in the field. He just uh, there's just nothing there that makes me feel confident clicking on his name at all. Well, looking, he was 34th in this tournament a year ago, and his lead-in form to that was miscut, 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 48th, miscut, miscut, and then he went 34th, 26th at the Masters. Yeah, no, no idea, no idea what to do with him. Um, he's a pass for me. Uh, Svensson's interesting again, like ball striking wise, uh, approach wise. Did not play well at Corrales last week, but over the last couple of months. He's been, I think, 10th in strokes gained approach, 23rd in ball striking. So there's been something there if you want to kind of play that type of player. Um, Wyndham Clark, bombs and putts. Uh, you have to close your eyes with the irons. But uh, top 20 here in 19, his only appearance. So uh, he would be someone that I'd rather click on than Cam Champ. 13th at the Amex this year as well. 22nd last week at Corrales. I can get behind Wyndham Clark. I think that that makes sense. That's sort of the, the bomb and putt. The bomb and gouge make some 13-footers. That's, that's a strategy here against the weaker field. I'm not betting Wyndham Clark to win, but if he makes the cut, he should yeah. score at least. That's how I used to think of Patrick Rogers is, you know, the, the bomb and putt. Uh, those things haven't been happening quite as well, though the irons have been a little bit better. Uh, but again, mostly miscuts. I think like um, six of nine of starts or something like that, he's missed the cut. So he has been pretty terrible. But again, he's just a guy that I think of when we get these lighter fields and we need bombers that can putt, that is kind of been Patrick Rogers' profile up until this point. Well, we've reached the conclusion of the show. It's time to fill out the play the best plays lineup, see if we can build the most common lineup this week, which has a tendency to cash, so that's always good news. It feels like <laughs> Rory, Kazire, Connors is probably yeah. are probably the three, right? Unless we go down from Connors to Kirk, who's just cheaper right now. Uh, and he's the $9,000 guy. So we do Kirk in that lineup instead. Rory, Kirk, Kazire, you have 7,100 for the final three players. Do you think that's enough? Or do you think people will not go to that and they'll take more of a Connors, Kirk, Woodland type build? Uh it's going to be interesting because you have to make those choices and maybe that impacts someone. But I think that Connors is probably the preferred chalk in that range. Um, people will try to get there and make that fit first. I think we could probably get close to that if you wanted to to call that the chalk lineup. Um, that leaves us with what you said, 7,100? Yeah, so Neesmith is 7,100. We can use Neesmith. Smotherman, we talked about. He's 6,800. He probably falls in this yeah. lineup as well. And then looking for another cheap guy who's going to be relatively popular. It does seem Laird is 75. We didn't talk about Party Marty, which I, I think is interesting. Sneaky good ball striking of late. Um, again, just approach and, uh, you know, terrible putter. But, uh, you know, that is not been something that has scared us in the past. We will both be rostering uh, Luke List this weekend, so we are not afraid of bad putters that can strike it well. Yeah, I failed to mention as well, J.J. Spawn's numbers look great. Coming into this event, he's $6,700, so he might garner some ownership by anyone that uses an optimizer that has a rule that says, I want to jam in Rory. He would be someone, like, the easiest way to do it would be use, like, Rory and then Barjan, and then, like, you're, you're back at even again. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I... It's, I I have a lineup like that. That makes a lot of sense. You can, you know, still use a lot of the other guys that we want to use. So uh, Paul Barjon opens uh, quite a bit up. So you could go Rory, Kirk, Kazire, Neesmith, Laird, Smotherman as a lineup. That leaves $0 on the table. Or you could take Laird out and let's say use Spawn or Svensson in a lineup like this. We could use Svensson. And then we can go from Kirk up to Connors if we wanted to. Then it would be Rory Connors, Kazire, Neesmith, Smotherman, Svensson. Think yeah, that's it's a nice ball, nice ball striking lineup for sure. Yeah, and is there anyone else? We still have three hundred dollars left on the table. That means we could get back to someone who is seventy one hundred. Is there anyone else seventy one hundred that's somewhat popular? Not really. We could move Neesmith up to Glover if we wanted to. That's mm -hmm. a possibility as well. Yeah, you like Glover. Uh, I like Smalley in that range. Um, yeah, but Smalley's not going to be. Just, yeah, but it's not like these guys are going to be. Smalley's popular. not going to be popular. Yeah, we're trying to build like a, what's going to be a common line. People are going to use Glover this week. Yeah, uh, we don't have enough to get the steel. Do you think people are using steel this week? Yes, not a lot. Yeah. Not not like overwhelmingly, but 
sure. in, in that pocket of the middle of the sevens, yes, I think they will. When we think about ownership, I think we're looking at, let's see here, in the mid sevens. You got, man, it's not huge. I guess that's because I don't have it sorted the right way. This makes a lot more sense when I'm looking at it. Neesmith, Laird, Glover, Kazire, who's at an even 8,000. And then you have other guys trickling in like the eights, like Kucher, Tigala, Ricky, Steele, Gim. They'll all be right around there. Maybe, and people are using Brian Stewart. That seems insane to me, but either way. Mm. Uh, I, I, don't th- I, I think Smalley's coming in pretty low here. Yeah. Okay. Well, I feel I feel good about that. Brian Stewart does make. I mean, fairways and short game uh, is basically all it's been. <laughs> Not a guy for me at all. I mean, uh, that's. I guess he's got a fourth here in 2019. Uh, maybe people love people love uh, course history. So maybe that's a thing. Maybe that's potentially. If we were to build one of these Rory lineups, like what's the most aggressive Rory lineup that you can think about building that you wouldn't hate? Because we mentioned using Barjon. If we just punch in Barjon into a lineup at $6,100. And let's say we throw Peter Uline into there as well. How has Uline, how has Peter Uline been playing? Peter, Peter Uline, no, not Peter Uzdenov, Peter Ulrich. Man, Peter, <laughs> Peter Uline's not doing great here. I can never spell his last name because it's, it's, it's weird in German. UI is weird, yeah. Yeah, Peter Uline, uh, official world golf ranking. I, I, I feel like he's been making runs on the world, like the Corn Ferry Tour. Or something like that. Maybe I'm completely off when it comes to that, but that's just what I have him envisioned in my mind as doing well. Let's see here. He has been. He was T36 last week. He was second at TPC Louisiana the week before that on the Corn Ferry Tour. T38 in Puerto Rico. T55 at the Honda. He's been playing some pretty good golf after like sucking to begin the year. So if you throw those two guys into a lineup, that's not recommended. But they're 61 and 6,000 dollars. Then you can use Rory. Bryson and Connors and still have $6,700 left if you wanted to. That's, that's uh, interesting. 67 would get us into the, I guess the JJ spawn area, as you mentioned earlier. Um, yeah. I mean, I'd rather see this from you line than, than nothing uh, again, hitting in a mile. And these are at least somewhat, he's like finishing it, making the cut at the Honda, uh, you know, against a, a, a solid field. So, it's good to see him take that and then go compete in Louisiana. So, yeah, I mean, I don't hate it. Again, like you said, these these guys at the bottom with Parjan and, and Uline definitely open some stuff up. Um, again, if you want to get into some of the other bombers that are down here, there are some guys if you want to go bomber specific that can bring those Rory Bryson lineups into play if you want to do it. So Rory Bryson, Parjan, Uline, Liston, Kazire also fit. <laughs> Gosh, that is like uh, there's a, a – shit ton of upside in that lineup that it would be really tough to stomach uh at times but i'm sure it'd be fun to watch i'm gonna enter that one enter that one in the five so yeah that's my that's my fifty thousand dollars now no one else take that with these horrible (laughs) lineup like outrageous constructions but there's there's something fun about a lineup like this i actually don't like kazire in this lineup i don't think that he fits with the other five guys that i'm looking at i would want i would i was really hoping i'd be able to fit vegas in there obviously i couldn't but if I don't do Bryson, I could do Rory Woodland Vegas list with Barjon mm. and Uline if I wanted to. So maybe that's an option and go like with the all bombers lineup when I go through it. Anyway, you can construct your own lineups at fantasynational.com slash mayo for that 20% off. You do it on Wednesday. You get Wednesday to Wednesday, which gives you the masters as well. So highly recommend that you go do that. Nuna, what you guys got going on rest of the week and what's the masters schedule looking like for you? Master schedule, as I'm sure for you, is uh, already started. I am uh, taking the task of writing up uh, a paragraph about everyone in the field. So I'm super excited to write about uh, Fred Couples, and I don't know if Ian Woosnam is is in the field this year. No, he's done. He's done. He is done. Okay. No more Woosnam. So we, you know, we don't have to write about uh, about him. But uh, really excited about all that we got going on. Again, as you mentioned, uh, doing a show with uh, your boy Feinberg on Tuesday's betting show. The DFS show in the afternoon with uh, our buddy John Daigle hosting that. We have uh, uh, Matt Wiley on this afternoon for the DFS show, starting a roundtable show on Wednesday. Where we'll just kind of hopefully take any 
Uh, listener questions, you can find that on our YouTube page over at BetSperts. Again, you can find the podcast as well anywhere uh, that you listen to podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. As you do with Pat, we appreciate the rate and review. helps other people find us, and we are a new show, so that uh, means even more to us. So uh, BetSpurtsGolf.com, really excited to continue to uh, launch stuff. We got tools this week. We got an optimizer. We got a matchup uh, tool if you want to you know, go six guys deep and find best Englishmen this week. You can throw that into our matchup tool and then also a pre-tournament simulator all launching this week on BetSpurtsGolf.com. Okay. What time is your roundtable show on Wednesdays live? Uh, it is going to be 5 Central. What the fuck does that mean? When is that? When, what's Central time? 6 Eastern. 6 Eastern. What the hell? You don't know the time zones? I live in Central. I'm in Chicago. So. Yeah, yeah. Listen, I don't live in the Eastern time zone. When I tell people times, I tell it to them in Eastern. That that okay. People can manufacture Eastern. People who live in Eastern have no concept of any other time zone. So you have to gravitate towards them because everyone works off either Pacific or Eastern. Central? Why don't you just give it to me in mountain time? <laughs> That's fair. I, I grew up in Eastern, so it took me a while to move to Central uh, in my mind. But I'm here now. Uh, we, uh, you know, city of broad shoulders. We think we matter here in Chicago. So uh, Central time, 6 o'clock. Uh, or 5 o'clock Central, 6 o'clock Eastern for you folks on Wednesdays on the Roundtable Show. Yeah, I'll be live too on Wednesday at 1.30 p.m. Newfoundland time. Uh, if people want to <laughs> tune into that, that will be fantastic news for them. And you got to be a sub to the channel in order to ask your questions now because that's how we have it set up. So please subscribe to the Mayo Media Network on YouTube. Share the show around and play in the Listener's League. That's down in the description. Thank you all for watching. I'm Pat Mayo. I'll see you next time. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com